Well, it is good. It is good to worship with everyone this morning. I hope today is well. You look great, by the way. I don't know if you like looked in the mirror. I'm sure some of you have, but you look amazing. I'm wearing a sport coat for the first time in like 15 years, and I had people gasping, and it was like there was heart attacks in the hallway, so I'm sorry that I caused a a commotion, Uh, but it's just a sports coat, guys. Like, people wear sports coats from time to time. Uh, If you're going to follow along in your Bible, I'm going to be in Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, and I just want to, you know, uh, have you ever ever been in a room, uh, and and it's real bright, kind of like it is right now, and uh, you you turn the lights out, and you have that that split moment where you can read remember what the room looks like, but you can't see a thing. You, you, you have all of this confidence that you can get from, you know, the door of your bedroom to your closet or wherever you're trying to head uh, in pitch blackness in a room that is yours, uh, and, and you go to walk towards it. So you've just turned the lights out. You have temporary blindness at this moment, and you just start walking with all the confidence in the world, and you uh, 50-50 make it to the closet, make it to where you're going. Yeah? pretty much. Uh, anybody like me that you walk with a level of confidence and arrogance, like you're just at a pace and you catch your pinky toe like on a piece of furniture and it just like you scream, like who put that bed there? Who put, who put that chair there? It's been there since you moved into the house. But in that momentary blink of blindness, we have confidence that we know where we're going. Uh, we can remember this is the direction that we're heading, but then you catch the pinky toe and, and it hurts. Blindness is, is something that we all deal with on some level. We all have blind spots of some kind. Um, I have two children. I have a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old. My 5-year-old is playing baseball right now. Uh, I know nothing about baseball other than having coached my two boys in Little League baseball. Just whatever the other coaches say, I'm like, I'm good with it. Uh, and I'm, I'm coaching first base just this past week, and there's this play. My, my runner makes it to first base, and it's good. I'm like, oh, that's safe. And all the other coaches are like, that's out. And then the crowd goes crazy crazy. I don't know if you've been in any little league sports games where like the whole family and parents are yelling out at the field. Uh, It it was getting close to that. And someone yells, are you blind? Everybody yells at the ref, are you blind? Like I was two feet from it. I saw it really close. Personally though, I was really excited because the kid who was safe, uh, just like the week before he would hit the ball and run to third base. And so I'm like, if he ran in the right direction, we're just calling him safe. Like I was really excited by that. Uh, but you know, the, the, the question was ref in which I'm just some guy on the field. Are you, are you blind? Oh man, blindness, blindness. Anybody here have a friend or you are the friend that um, you're, you're in a relationship with someone and there's all of these red flags and everybody sees it. Everybody sees the red flags except the friend. And, and they say, well, you know, I just love him so much. And everybody's like, yeah, he's kind of a sleazeball. I don't know if you can trust that guy. And, and everybody, everybody sees the red flags except the one who's in love. Why? Because love is... There it is. Love is blind because it just, we, we end up with blind spots for so many different reasons. Um, little life hack, by the way, if, uh, I don't know if you know this, but pirates, they wore the patch not because they all were attacked by sharks, but they have like a day vision and a night vision eye. And so they wore the patch for night vision. So next time you're in a room and you need to turn the lights out and you don't want to have that momentary moment of blindness, if you squeeze your eyes as tight as you can and you turn the light out, you will be able to see when you open your eyes. So at least quicker anyway. So a uh, little life hack from the pastor on 
on Easter Sunday. Today, uh, we are going to look at a story about a guy named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is not somebody that you hear a lot about on Easter. In fact, I don't have the proof of this, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's possible that this may be Bartimaeus's first Easter sermon ever in the history of the church. I, it's like right now, if I quizzed you, like who knows who Bartimaeus is? I think most of us are like, maybe, maybe I think my grandpa was named Bartimaeus, but I, I don't know, I don't know who, who we have. We're going to, we're going to read about a guy named Bartimaeus and, uh, we're in Mark, uh, we're in chapter 10, and we'll start in verse 46. And let me, I'll, I'll just read the first verse and then I'll set up what's going on and why I think that this is a really great Easter sermon. Uh, Mark 10, verse 46 says, And they, that's, they is uh, Jesus, the disciples, and the crowd that are following him. They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, so all these people are now leaving uh, Jericho, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. This may, like I said, be the first sermon, Easter sermon that Bartimaeus has gotten into. In fact, if you were to quiz me a month ago, hey, Jesse, who's Bartimaeus? I would think, surely that's a name in the Bible. It sounds like a Bible name. But even if you quizzed me, I don't know that I would immediately know who Bartimaeus is. And yet this story falls on this timeline of so many famous stories. It's going to blow your mind how many of these stories you know. Even you know people who just barely go to church know these stories that happen just within a day of Bartimaeus. This is, this is the march from Galilee. So Jesus and his disciples are in the north and they're moving, they're going towards Jerusalem. This is their last and final time to make this trip to Jerusalem. This is going to be, as they enter Jerusalem, just probably the next day after meeting Bartimaeus is what we call the triumphal entry. This is where Jesus is marching to and it's a week before the cross. It's a week before Easter uh, Sunday. What, what's happened on this trip? Well, uh, if you've ever heard the story of Jesus, Jesus, uh, having the children come to him and all the disciples are like, hey, kids, get out of here. This is Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 let the children come to me. Like the, ch- the kingdom belongs to such as these. That happened about the day before what we're going to talk about today. Um, if you know the story of the young rich ruler, some of us know that story where a young rich ruler goes to Jesus and says, hey, what do I need to inherit eternal life? Like, tell me the secret of everything. That happens probably the day before this moment. Jericho Uh, we meet a guy named Zacchaeus. And if you know Zacchaeus, you know what about him? He was a wee little man. I love that. Like everybody, let's sing it. Let's all have a, yeah, we know about Zacchaeus because he was just a wee little man and he climbed a sycamore for the Lord he wanted to see. That happened the same day as Bartimaeus. Uh, Jesus, he had a friend named Lazarus, lived in Bethany. Lazarus was sick. He dies. Jesus goes and he raises them from the dead. What if I told you that this is the day after Bartimaeus? If you looked at Jesus's day planner right here in this story, you would know almost every one of the stories along the way, except maybe Bartimaeus. What do we know about Bartimaeus? Well, we know a couple of things from this verse. He was a blind beggar and he was the son of Timaeus. It's not a lot. This is uh, the only time in Scripture that Bartimaeus is mentioned. If, uh, if you've been around the Bible uh, a lot, you know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all telling the same story of Jesus from different angles. Uh, this is the only time that Bartimaeus is mentioned. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all mention a blind man outside Jericho, but only Mark remembers his name. 
And even in remembering his name, all he can say about him is he's, he's a blind beggar. Like, what's his favorite food? You know, what is it, what, does he like baseball? Like, we know nothing about blind Bart except he's a blind beggar and he's the son of Timaeus. Now, if you were in uh, the original uh, readers of Mark, you're the original audience, you would hear this story about a blind man, which, by the way, what's, what's about to happen at the end of the story? A blind man meets Jesus, what's going to happen? There you go. So Jesus is going to heal him. So uh, just if I could just rip the Band-Aid off the end of our story, that's, that's what we all know is going to happen. But let's be sure that we catch all the in-betweens along the way, all the humanity along the way, because I think in the story we're going to see a bit of ourselves. If you were Mark's original audience, you're like, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, you could go to Jericho and you could ask around, hey, uh, can somebody point me to Timaeus's house? And they would tell you like, oh, there's Timaeus over there. And you can go ask him, did this story happen? It was a way to actually check it out to see if what Mark records is really what happened. We, we know uh, that Timaeus, if you translate that, uh, it means highly prized. So Bartimaeus is son of the highly prized one. What, a, what, a, what an opposite word for Bartimaeus. All we know about him is he's a blind beggar. We'll find out later he owns a cloak. So we know one thing that he owns. He is forgotten. He can probably blend into the background of any piece of landscape. You'd barely know that he was there, and yet his name means highly prized. Anybody here have a name that means something random, like like flocks of seagulls over a sea? Uh, Jesse, my name, uh, in Hebrew means wealthy. And so it's kind of the same thing happening here. It's the exact opposite of, of what, what, we, what we see. In fact, the, the word bar in, in Hebrew just means son. This guy's name means son of Timaeus. All we know about him is he's the son of Timaeus and that he's blind. You couldn't find someone who could be more forgotten than anybody else in Scripture that ends up with a name. And it holds true that if I polled everyone today, like, what do you know about Bartimaeus? We've, we've still kind of forgotten him. What's going to be fascinating to, to, to me and hopefully to you is that the man who is so easy to forget the man who can blend into the landscape of any scene and be forgotten, the man who has grown accustomed to only being helped by those who just would show him mercy is not forgotten by Jesus. Jesus sees him and he will meet with him. So verse 46, again, it says, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Verse 47 He's sitting there and it says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. I wonder, I wonder if, uh, oh, blind Bart, we'll call him blind Mark because Bartimaeus is a handful. Uh, I wonder if blind Bart is strategically parked on this road because of how busy this is. This is the week before Passover. It's already one of the busiest roads in all of the Middle East. Year-round, it's one of the busiest roads. But this one week, it has to be 10 times busier than it ever would be. And he's parked, and just crowds of people are coming by constantly. More and more people. And every now and then, someone would see him and throw a little bit of money his way, and he just sits quietly until he hears that Jesus of Nazareth is nearby. And then the man who is so accustomed to just being overlooked and, and missed starts crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
the crowd, they hear him making a noise, and they think, oh, yay, Bart is talking, don't they? They, they want to bring him in. No, no, they shut him down. Scripture uses the word rebuke. It says, and many rebuked him. Um, that, that is a really strong word. Uh, it, sounds, it sounds fancy, but parents, like if you've, if you've ever asked your child, like, hey, son, uh, please behave, that's not strong enough to be a rebuke. That's just a correction. If you've ever looked at your child and said, I'm telling you for the last time, sit down, I counted to three or you know, four, whatever your magic number is, uh, that's, that's a rebuke. The crowd is not having blind Bart because, Bart, you're making a scene, man. Son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. We're all listening to Jesus. He doesn't stop. He just yells, son of David, have mercy on me. I wonder, I wonder what blind Bart has heard about Jesus. What rumors of Jesus have made their way to him by this moment for him to start crying out to him? He doesn't cry out for every person who goes by. Apparently, he's been sitting there for a while as the crowd comes up. But he hears the murmurings in the crowd that Jesus is nearby. And something in the rumors of what he's heard about Jesus says, here's somebody who can help. Here's somebody, if nothing else, he, he's, he's got to be somebody special. Son of David, have mercy on me. Here, here's, here's why I bring that up. Because uh, I wonder how many of us in here have heard the rumors about Jesus and are just desperately hoping that some of them might be true. I wonder how many people have made their way into all the churches in Mid-County because something about Jesus is important enough. Something about Jesus has changed somebody's life around me. I see it around me. I've heard the rumors and I just have mercy on me. I hope, I hope that the rumors are true. What rumors of Jesus have you heard about before you set foot in this room? We just sang songs. I don't know if you've heard the rumor, but uh, the rumor is, is that Jesus went to the cross. The rumor is, is that Jesus was completely innocent. All the evidence seemed to suggest that he did nothing to deserve crucifixion. And yet the rumor is, is that he told his friends that he was going to the cross over and over and over again, that Jesus willingly went to the cross so that you and I can have life. The rumor is is that Jesus chose Jesse's death and took it from me so that he can give me his life that he earned because the rumor is, is that he's the fully innocent, holy, perfect one sent from God to rescue us from our brokenness. That's the rumor I heard anyway. That's the rumor that I think parts of that anyway, because the cross hasn't happened, that blind Bart is just hoping half of that's true. If only half of what I just said is true, there's a lot of hope in Jesus. I want to I want to talk to a few groups of people in here for a second. I want to talk to uh, people that uh, you know you 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 want Jesus to be true. You hope that he is. My experience has been that people who have confessed Jesus as Lord they they are a little bit different than people who just kind of walk around strutting. My experience has been that people who have have turned to Jesus and cried out to him like Bart did and found mercy in the name of Jesus, they hold their head up not with arrogance, but with peace. And they're not judgy. The, 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 the hypocritical look is that you know, Christians can be judgy, but people who really follow Jesus, they seem to be some of the least judgy people because they realize, I was just like Bart. And I found hope. The rumor is, is that Jesus has really been changing lives for the last 2,000 years, and the church wouldn't exist if that rumor hasn't been continuing this whole time. And Bart, whatever rumors he's heard about Jesus up to this point, he's 
Son of David, have mercy on me. That's a really weird thing to yell out as someone, son of David, uh, because I don't know if you know this, Jesus' dad's name wasn't David. <laughs> you know, so it'd be like, son of Bill, have mercy on me. He's from the line of David. I heard somebody say that. And so David, uh, if you don't know, David is one of the most famous, one of the first kings of Israel. Um, he's one of the, the, the holiest, best kings of Israel, but he was a deeply flawed guy. But the timeline is really strange right here because this David existed and he was a king over Israel a thousand years before Jesus. And so I was like, what would that be the same as today? Like what, what happened a thousand years before today right now? And if I saw someone climbing down the road, I'd be yelling out, uh, uh, son of Leif Erickson, have mercy on me. Leif Erickson was a Viking who we believed around 1000 AD discovered North America first, right? Leif Erickson. Could you imagine that? You're just sitting at, you know, Walmart, son of Leif Erickson, son of King Henry II. He was also around at the time. William the Conqueror was around at the time, a thousand years ago from today. And so Bart is crying out to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Why would he choose somebody from so long ago? He had heard rumors that though David was good and not perfect, that there's going to be a better David that's going to come down the line. That, that someone from the line of David, from the lineage of David, was going to come and be the next king of Israel, and he was going to rescue <coughs> excuse me, and restore all of this brokenness. Apparently, Blind Bart knew his Old Testament better than many of us do. And he knew that whoever this Jesus is, he must be this promised one son of David. But here's what makes that the most bonkers thing to yell ever. It's because David, though he was called a man after God's own heart, uh, though he wanted to build a temple, God told him that he had too much blood on his hands and he can't build the temple of God. One of the, one of the heartbreaking stories about David, uh, other than the murder and the adultery and the, you know, the, all the other problems that he had, is that when he was ordained as king, you can look this up if you want to research this later, 2 Samuel chapter 5. When he was ordained as king, he was in a city called Hebron, and he decides he's going to go conquer Jerusalem, the same city that Jesus is marching to right now. And it was owned by the, the enemy. We'll just call him the enemy right now. And the enemy had it in their head. Here's how we're going to keep David out. The enemy said, we're going to keep David out by getting all of our lame and all of our blind people and like post them up as like guards, because we think that David won't even like that. Like he won't touch that. He'll leave our city alone by putting the blind people and the lame up front. And in 2 Samuel chapter 5, there's this proclamation that David gives his men that he doesn't care about that. And he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sneak into the city and I want you to kill all the blind people and all the lame because they're a stench to my soul. That's the phrase that David said. He was not a perfect man. He, was, he had some ugliness in him. And, and Bart, he, he has to know the story about David. David was supposed to represent God, and he was a terrible representation of God. And some of you are like, Jesse, bro, like this is Easter Sunday. You're doing a lot of Old Testament stuff. Why the history lesson? I bring it up for this one point. Um, there are a lot of people that are supposed to represent God and they're supposed to represent God well. And in some cases, they do it well. In other cases, they don't. And sometimes we mix up the bad message with the good God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we get the, the representative and we say, well, if God is like that person, I don't want anything to do with him. If Jesus treats people the way that that Jesus follower treats people, I don't want anything to do with that Jesus. And here's what a blind man on the side of the road got right that many of us get wrong. The blind man on the side of the road knew that God was good despite the representative being bad. Bart knew 
that David didn't like blind people, and yet he knew the promise that one is going to be better than David that's going to come. I think it might be Jesus of Nazareth. Son of David, have mercy on me. The cra- and this is the first time in Mark that son of David is mentioned. And the crowd, they're like, hey, be quiet, Bart. You're making a scene. No, no, I can't. This is my only chance. I get my, my one chance to see Jesus clearly, no pun intended, uh, and, and I'm going to take it. I don't care if it makes a scene. I don't care what the crowd says. And he cries out more and more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Let's pick it up in verse 47. It says, or excuse me, verse 48. It says, uh, and many rebuked him, telling to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart. I wonder, I wonder if they said that excitedly. Hey, take heart, buddy. Or if they're like, oh gosh, okay. Take heart, man. Get up. <laughs> he is calling you. I don't, I don't know if you're comfortable writing in your Bible. I have all these little notes and underlines in my Bible. Something that's fascinating to me is the phrase, and Jesus stopped. I don't know about you. Uh, when I'm busy, I look like a little hummingbird. I'm like, I'm nervous. Like, I have nervous energy. In fact, some of you, even this morning, you saw me like buzzing around like, Jesse, are you nervous about something? I don't feel nervous. I just have a lot to do. I've got like, I've got a lot on my mind, a lot going on. I have a habit. Jesse has a habit of when I'm laser focused on a thing, um, I don't stop. The crowd needs me. And Jesus, on the other hand, he has the cross on his to-do list. He's probably about to heal Lazarus. That's, that's coming up soon. He's got, uh, you know, he, he, he talked to the, to the children. He's got all these things going on. This is a very busy day, and the crowd is all around him. And he hears someone in the crowd yelling out, Have mercy on me, son of David. And it says that Jesus stopped. I've got good news for you. If, if you're here and you're like, you know what? This Jesus sounds pretty good. Uh, I, I, want, I want a piece of that. But he probably doesn't have time for me. I'm just, I'm small. I'm little compared to all. Like he's, he's controlling the universe, right? He's got to keep the whole of creation up and going. What is my problems and my marriage and my parenting? Does he even have time for me? Um, the history says, and Jesus stopped. He had time for blind Bart when everybody else was just ignoring him. He stops and he says to the crowd, hey, somebody go get him. And they go and they get him. Hey, buddy, uh, Jesus is calling you. Let's, let's, go, let's go talk to him. Verse 50, what does Bart do? He says, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Um, it doesn't say how he got there. I, it, here are two choices. Uh, a man throws off his cloak and blindly runs in the direction of wherever he thinks he's going. That's probably not what happened, right? That, that, seems, that seems like it wouldn't work out. Um, no. No, Jesus gave the crowd some instruction. Hey, crowd, you know that guy you just said to shut up? You know who you said to be quiet? You know who you rebuked? I want you to go get him, and we're, we're not taking another step forward until you bring him to me. And the crowd had to obey. The disciples, whomever it was, they, they go and they bring Bart to him. Notice it says that he throws off his cloak. I wonder, I wonder for Bart if what that cloak represented. I mean, other than it just being a jacket. Um, do you think that Bart spent a lot of time on the side of the road out in the sun hoping that people would come by? I think so. Uh, so I think the cloak would probably get, be a protection from the sun. I wonder if the cloak, if, if, if your vision impaired, if the cloak represents safety and comfort. I wonder if it has a smell and a texture that you're, you're used to. 
I wonder if it's dirty, covered in all the things. I wonder for Bart if this cloak isn't the most prized possession he's ever had. When he hears that Jesus will accept him, he just throws it off and he gets to Jesus whatever way that he can. Verse 51, and Jesus said to him, what do you want from, uh, excuse me, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. What a big question that is. Some, some man you've heard really great things about, Jesus, he gets to you and he says, hey, what, what is it exactly? Can you articulate what you want from me? Oh, Jesus, I just, you know, I just want to get a really good score on my SAT. I just see, oh, Jesus, I just want, can you, can you make that interview for the next job go really well? I wonder if some of our prayer requests are puny compared to what Jesus is willing to do. You know, Bart, he's a pretty confident guy in this moment. Son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. I won't be quiet. Son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. I won't. Son of David. And okay, he gets to him. Hey, Bart, what, what specifically do you want from me? What do you want me to do for you? Rabbi, teacher, please. I just want to see again. I just want to recover my sight. Whatever rumors Bart had heard about Jesus made him confident enough to ask this big, big question. And Jesus said to him, verse 52, go your way, your faith has made you well. That's a phrase that we see a lot in the book of Mark. Jesus, he, he puts it on the person to have enough faith to ask the big enough questions. And Jesus' response is like, your faith was big enough, buddy. Go your way. He, he heals him. Go your way. Up until this point, Bart can only get places based on where people bring him to. Whoever his friends are, whoever his guide is. In fact, in the book of Matthew, we find out that Bart has a friend. It says that there are two blind men, that they were friends. And so I just, I, it's literally the blind leading the blind. Bart is, every time he got to the spot on the road, it's only because a, a neighbor, a, a family member, a friend got him there and said, hey, I'll, I'll come pick you up after work. Bart, just get as much money as you can. I'll see you later. And, and then they go about their way and he is stuck wherever somebody else's way was. I wonder how many of us feel like our, our culture and our world is controlling us more than we, like, I don't have enough ownership of my way. I don't, I can't see well enough to know how to get out of this situation. That was Bart. And when Jesus healed him, he told Bart, hey, go your way. Choose where you're going. I wonder what it's like to recover your sight. I, I, I imagine it's that moment of, You've ever been in bed and like your kid or your spouse or somebody like you haven't fully adjusted and they turn on the lights. I did that this morning to my wife and she's just like, ah, you know, because I was up earlier than her this morning. And I was like, oh, sorry. She's like, that's okay. And so she has to rub her eyes and you blink like 52 times and you're trying to get your vision back. And then, and then things become clear. Here's Bart on the side of the road. Jesus heals him. And as he gathers his vision, as he sees what is right in front of him, the savior of the universe. He says to him, go your way. And what does Bart do? It says, and immediately he recovered his sight and he followed him on the way. He followed Jesus on the way. Bart, I'm going to heal you. You can see, go your way. And he looks up and he sees Jesus. I'm wherever you're going, man, I'm going to follow you wherever you can go. Do you know why? Because if you run into somebody who the rumors like this are true about, he's the only one worth following. 
We, we can infer from this. This is the only story where Bart's name is mentioned. And he follows Jesus from this moment forward. Where did he go next? He probably saw Lazarus raised from the dead next. He saw Jesus ride the donkey into the city and the crowd go crazy and treat him like a king. I wonder if he was there at the false arrest. I wonder if he was there at the false trials. I wonder, I wonder if Bart's new vision, just a week old, sees Jesus go to the cross. I wonder if he weeps that his friend is killed. I wonder if he thinks like the other disciples, what was all this for? And Good Friday is here. It wasn't good at the time, but uh, Good Friday is here. And the guy who healed me is dead now. Go your way, Bart. I don't know where I'm going anymore. I wonder if Bart was there when the rumors of Jesus coming back to life were being spoken. I wonder if Bart was there when the crowds gathered at the mountain that Jesus called them to in uh, Matthew. I wonder if, if, I wonder if he got to be one of the people there. I wonder if Bart was still in Jerusalem uh, 50 days later when the disciples come out with all courage and with all fearlessness, start proclaiming the word of Jesus and thousands started confessing the name of Jesus for salvation. Scripture says that 50 days after the cross on the day of Pentecost, that 3,000 people accepted the name of Jesus as savior and their sins were forgiven and they were redeemed at that moment. I wonder if Bart's eyes caught that. Bart, go your way. And he sees Jesus. He says, your way is the only way worth following. And he had no idea what was coming next. That's one of the hardest things to believe about following Jesus. Everybody in here, if you're a follower of Jesus, isn't it like one of the, one of the frustrations is, I just want to know how all this is going to end. I want to know what the next 10 years looks like, or the next 10 days even. And so much of following Jesus is just like, okay, then follow me and trust me where I'm going. He sees the source of life, the source of his vision, and he says, go wherever you want to go. And Bart says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. One of the things I want to say is, as we close um, and, and as we consider uh, this is, um, you know, that Christians have this habit of being kind of hypocritical, uh, judgy, kind of strutting around. I got everything figured out. Christians should not be the ones looking at someone's like, are you blind? Don't you see this? The Christians should be the one that are repeating that old song lyric, I once was blind, but now I see. The truth is, is that every one of us apart from Jesus are blind with significant blind spots. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're just someone whose vision has been restored. It's not like you had that your whole life or you earned it. It's just that Jesus gave it to you. So I want to talk, I want to, talk to, to the two groups. First, uh, followers of Jesus, if that's, if that's you, like, hey, I've been a Christian for a while. What am I supposed to do with a message like this? I just want you to know that as Jesus was on his way, he sees, he sees Bart on the side of the road and he starts hearing the calls out. And, and the crowd was rebuking the man for making a scene, but Jesus commanded the crowd, hey, you're following me already. Go and get him. Bring him to me. Those of us who have had our vision restored, those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, are we willing to be obedient to Jesus? in bringing people to him, guiding them. Are they blind? Are they stumbling? Maybe. I wonder, I wonder if anybody made fun of Bart for tripping over the rock on his way to Jesus. Ha ha, yeah, you fell down. I bet that hurts. No, that would be cruel, wouldn't it? That would be bonkers. And yet the church in America has this reputation for as soon as the blind person, the person who's just desperately wanting to get to Jesus, stumbles just that one time, we kick them to the curb. 
We just forget them. I think Jesus calls us to be better than that. I think Carpenter's Way, by the way, is a, a gleaming beacon for what that should look like. I find our people to be so good at welcoming others and helping people find their way back to Jesus. I just want to encourage you that if, if, if you haven't considered it in a while, Jesus says, help them get to me, and we guide them. I want to talk also to anybody in here right now that like you're kind of like Bart on the side of the road. None of this has really made a lot of sense. You've heard the rumors about Jesus and you hope they're true. And maybe right now, hearing about Jesus, your soul is as clear as it's ever been about who Jesus is. And you're just like Bart. You're just like, I hope it's true. And you want to cry out to him. But then the crowd of like anxious thoughts are just be quiet. Don't make a scene. Don't do that. You could be quiet. You could listen to the crowd. Or you can cry out to the one who can have mercy on you. Son of David, have mercy on me. If I can encourage you to do anything, is that before you leave here in the quietness of your own mind, in the quietness of your own soul, that you would cry out to the Holy One of God, Jesus, have mercy on me. I want to see. I want to have life. I want to know what everybody's following. Like, why does all these people have peace? Scripture says it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It doesn't make sense. This world is really, really broken, but these groups of people seem to have peace. Jesus, have mercy on me. If you have the courage to do that in the quietness of your own soul, you let your soul cry out to him, I believe that you will be saved. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can shut the crowd of your thoughts down. Have mercy on me. So we're going to close a little different. I'm going to invite you to bow your head, close your eyes, and talk to your heavenly Father with no more talking, no more teaching. You just pray. Whatever is appropriate to you. Cry out to your creator and he'll hear. If you're like Bart and you're crying out to Jesus for the first time, it would be my honor to talk to you after we close, to pray with you, to celebrate what the Lord is doing in your life or to answer any questions that you have. If you're a follower of Jesus and you hear the Lord calling you to, to bring others to him, I would invite you to obey your Lord, to be a follower of him, to go on his way, 
and to have time for those who are just blending into the landscape behind us. Because of Jesus, no more will we let someone just go by and be forgotten. Because of Jesus, everybody is worth the time to stop. Because of Jesus, your cries for hope and mercy right now are being heard. He has time for you. Father, as we, as we close out our Easter service, Lord, and we're reminded that you are the one who brings hope. You're the one who has brought us sight and we see the way to go. We see your way. We thank you, Father, that you're alive. We don't have to prop you up as some philosophical notion of belief, Lord. You are alive and well and you are powerful. I pray, Father, that we would follow you. I pray, Lord, for those in this room and those who will hear this later, that as they cry out to you, Lord, that they would, they, would, they would regain their sight and they would see clearly what you're about, that the rumors about you have been true all along and that you're still in the practice of restoring our sight. May, may we see, because of the proclamation of your gospel throughout all of Mid-County, may we see a revival in our community, a restoration. Lord, may as we leave here this morning and this week rolls on, we begin to see with our new eyes a hope that is rising in our friends and our neighbors. May we begin to see the work that you are doing in restoring marriages and restoring uh, parents and restoring people back to their rightful selves. As, as, as loved ones and friends come out of the landscape of being in the background and back into the forefront in the crowd, the procession following you, may we see hope restored in our community. Jesus, son of David, we cry out to you for mercy because we don't deserve any of those things, but you're the one who can bring them. And we love you. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.